0: Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan Practice of Godly Conference, or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and the klutzy guy sitting across from me is Matthew McLaughlin. So you do know my character. Hey, Jeremy. <laughs> well, I'm a klutz, too, so don't feel too bad. So today, we're here to talk about the Bible again. Uh, of course, we essentially do that every time. But today, we want to talk specifically about how to understand the Bible. Uh, we, we're, this is part of our series on Christian piety. We want to encourage Christians to grow in piety, which piety has to do with our love and devotion to God, and the result would be uh, grateful obedience to Him. And the Bible is, as we talked about last week, central to our Christian growth, central to our growth in piety. We want to increase our love for God and increase our grateful obedience to him. The Bible is going to be central to that. So last time we talked about these three things came from the Baptist Catechism where it, where it asked the question, may all men make use of the scriptures and the Catechism answer is uh, not only are all men permitted to use the scriptures, but all men are exhorted and commanded to read, hear, and understand the scriptures. So last week we talked about uh, what it means to hear and read the scriptures. Today we're going to talk a little bit about understanding the scriptures. One of the things that we tried to emphasize last week about the corporate nature of christian piety the corporate nature of hearing god's word and reading god's word it's not just a private thing we do want to emphasize that as well even though we're talking about right now reading the bible on your own that doesn't mean that you read your bible completely on your own all alone isolated uh, right you you have pastors who can help you. You have their commentaries available online. There are creeds and confessions that can help you. Uh, So the church in the present and the church in the past can help you in understanding God's Word. We're not going to talk a lot about that in depth, but I wanted to make sure to say that up front. In fact, for most of us, it's impossible to read the Bible completely on our own because we at At the very least, we need someone to translate the Hebrew and Greek scriptures into a language we understand, namely, for people listening to this, probably English. (laughs) If you don't have anyone else, you at least have them, and they're invaluable in understanding God's word, unless you have a couple years to learn Greek and or Hebrew. And even then, it'll just be a basic knowledge, so... (laughs) Uh, And it's a lot of work to do. And some people don't have time, don't have the ability to learn those languages, so thankfully we have translations. So you need the church in order to understand God's Word is what I'm arguing, first of all. Secondly, and probably more importantly than the church, you need the Holy Spirit. We don't have time to talk about this, but I think when we did our series on the Holy Spirit, We talked about the fact that the Spirit inspires the text so that the writers wrote what God intended, so what we have is God's Word, but the Spirit also illumines the reader and the hearer of God's Word. So we need need the help of the Spirit as well as we read God's Word. Now, we want to be careful here, and I'll add some more to this later probably. I run into many people who think that if they run into a problem, all they need to do is pray and the Holy Spirit will show them the right interpretation. I don't think that's biblical. The Holy Spirit does help, but remember God uses means. He uses other people, he uses other books, people who are filled with the spirit to help us understand God's word. So we'll probably we'll get to the, more of that in a minute, but I do want to say up front that you're not on your own. You have the church in order to help you understand God's Word, and you have the Holy Spirit to help you understand God's Word. And usually the church and the Holy Spirit work together. Sometimes the church fails, uh, but usually they work in concert together to help us understand God's Word. So, So let's talk then a little bit about how we personally go about reading the Bible, understanding what I just said about the church and the Holy Spirit. I was taught at a very, very early in my Christian life the inductive method of Bible study. Kay Arthur in the 90s really popularized this. I learned it before I I ever read anything from her. But, and the method itself as Kay Arthur isn't the originator of it, but she did popularize it and encourage a lot of people to do inductive Bible study. And if you can remember three words, uh, then that, that's basically the outline we're going to follow. And the words are obse- observation, interpretation, and application. And each of those three words helps us understanding the Bible. So the first one is observation. And under this aspect of Bible studying the Bible, we're asking, what does the text say? And I think this is where reading the Bible in a year is really helpful. Because in observation, you're trying to get a view from 25,000 feet. You're not working out all the details about how all the verses fit into the context and all that. You're just trying to get an overall flow, an overall idea about what this book or the entire Bible is about. And that's where um, reading the Bible in a year can really be helpful, especially if you've never done it. You want to get a shot at 25,000 feet. And one of the important things, especially with the Old Testament, not that it's irrelevant with the New, but the Old Testament especially, is having an idea of the timeline of Israel's history in your head. That helps you understand when you get to even the Psalms, uh, understanding the history of Israel, because there's a lot of history in the Psalms, even though it's not a historical book. Uh, When you get to the prophets especially, you really need to have an idea of the time period when this was happening in order to understand it. So one of the, I think one of the first things you need to understand is a basic outline of Israel's history. And it's, it's pretty easy, really. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the beginning of Israel. Then we have the Exodus um, where they leave Egypt. They enter into the Promised Land. All of this is in the first five books of the Bible. In Genesis, they're formed. And in the book of Exodus, they're free from Israel. Uh, They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And then in Deuteronomy, they finally start to go into the Promised Land, and Joshua leads them into the Promised Land. That's the beginnings of Israel. And then there's a time period of turmoil with the Judges until you come to the time of the kings. The first king is Saul, David, and Solomon. And then after Solomon, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah uh, separate. They go crazy as far as their sin goes, and eventually they're exiled. Israel is exiled to Assyria. Judah is exiled to Babylon. And then eventually, after 70 years, God returns them to the land. And that's essentially the end of the Old Testament. And then the prophets fit in there. And they usually start off telling you the name of the kings. And it it will really help you understand what's going on if you have a kind of basic outline. And many uh, of the study Bibles, like the ESV Study Bible, or uh, the Reformation Study Bible from Ligonier, many of them will have a timeline so that you can see where you're at. That is extremely helpful in understanding uh, the Old Testament and and the whole Bible. The same thing's true uh, as far as the Gospels and the Book of Acts, but it's it's not as as far as I've seen, it's not as critical to understanding as it is in the Old Testament. And that's what you want to do in. You want to get the historical picture of what, what is happening when you're ask, asking what the text says. Now, you can delve deeper and still do this observation, but you, you definitely want to get an overview. One of the things that I found that helped me when I was a pastor was I got a more of a paraphrased translation, like the New Living Translation, and used that to get an overview. It's not good for detailed study of the Bible, in-depth study of the Bible, uh, because it's a paraphrase, but to give you an overall idea of the themes of the book, uh, it was really helpful, so I recommend that. And I'm sure Matthew has some recommendations on this aspect, too.
1: Well, what I would say is, if you want to, you can read or listen, one of the things that Mark Dever did when when he first started at Capitol Hill was, he went through and he preached a an Entire sermon on every on each book of the Bible, so you can the Bible as a whole and and the the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, if you want to, you can go you can go to Capitol Hill Baptist Church's website, I'm sure you can find those sermons. If you want to read them, he's published them. There's the Old Testament is called Promises Made, the New Testament one is called Promises Kept. You so you can sit and read, but that is another way to get an overview, which leads to the, the other point I would get give it's harder in the Old Testament than the New Testament, but to read in large chunks. So, like, in one... So like, especially with the New Testament epistles, it's easier. But just sit down, give yourself to a half an hour or an hour, and just read through the entire book. And that's another way, if you can do observation, so that you can get the the overarching theme, as Jeremy said, the 25,000-foot view of what's going on. And so then you would have, let's see, walk through the history, that's the 50,000-foot view. Then you work your way down to the 25,000-foot view. And then... If you want to, you can keep working your way tighter and more specific right. as you seek to do observation.
0: And I think what you're trying to get at when it comes to observation is, what is the main point? Right. So in the book of Genesis, what's the main point? In the book of Exodus, what's the main point? Not We're not at the point. Don't say, what's the main point for me? Exactly. <laughs> you're t- talking historical. What right. is the main point of the
1: author? And, and understand that, there might be more than one main point, right? But we are seeking to determine what are the principles, the principle app, the principle that's seeking to be communicated.
0: That's observation, and then we get to interpretation, which is asking what does the text mean. Okay, you want to see what it says in a historical context at a twenty-five thousand feet. Now, interpretation digs deeper. Okay. You you see what Genesis says now. What does it what does it mean? The study of the interpretation of Scripture is called hermeneutics. The Baptist Confession is helpful here. In the first uh, first article, paragraph seven, it says this: All things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of scripture or other that not only the learned but also the unlearned in in a due use of ordinary means may attain to a sufficient understanding of them. There's a couple important principles here. One is what is, is interpreting Scripture with Scripture. It's the rule of Scripture. So the that's where the Confession is making the point that not everything in the Bible is equally clear, but you interpret difficult pat- passages by more clear passages. So the first thing is we interpret Scripture with Scripture, and th- that doesn't, always yield the easiest answers this is why it's a, another reason it's important to read the whole bible uh, is so that you're familiar with all of scripture you need to interpret scripture with scripture other passages will enlighten other passages that are difficult to understand and then the other thing as i, I mentioned before the work of the holy spirit it says it says here that learned and unlearned both can understand the scripture by due use of ordinary means. That's very important. It's ordinary means, not extraordinary. Extraordinary means would be praying and the Holy Spirit showing you what it means. It's not that that can't happen, but that's not the ordinary way that God works. The ordinary way God works is through reading and studying and, and diligently working to understand the Scriptures. And in that way, the Holy Spirit will work. The Holy Spirit works by giving you pastors. The Holy Spirit works by giving, blessing us with commentaries, both ancient and modern, or or maybe old is a better word because they're not all ancient. The Church throughout the ages has commented on the Scriptures and we can have access they can be of help in interpreting what what scripture says but these are the ordinary means that god uses so there's and there's lots of commentaries available online matthew henry's available online john calvin's available online john gill is available online those are the three main ones that i look at another important thing is to remember the genre that you're in okay So many people think of the Bible as a collection of inspirational sayings, and people treat the Bible like that. For example, the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is a great verse, but we have to remember it's not just an inspirational verse to help you win a football game, and I'm not downplaying people who use that to encourage them. It is appropriate to use it that way, but it has a context. And we need to understand it in the context. Paul, that letter, that passage, that verse comes from Philippians. And Paul has a point in that. And you have to understand his whole argument. So we can't just rip a verse out of its context. Context is probably the most important thing in understanding what the text says. You have to understand the context. So... While you may want to understand one specific verse, you have to understand the context of of the Bible as a whole, the New Testament as a whole, the letter of Philippians as a whole, and then you have to understand the the context of the passage it's in that will help you to understand what it's getting at. So don't treat the Bible like it's a bunch of inspirational sayings like the book of Proverbs is. Uh, there's only one book like that, and that's the book of Proverbs. So, um, th- knowing the genre of book is very important as well in understanding what it's saying and how it's saying it. you have anything to add? Well, what
1: I I would, the, the, so, as Jeremy laid that out, if you look online and you look for stuff, so he talked about historic, understanding historical context. He's talked about genre would fit into what, what's called literary context. He's talked about then you also have grammatical context which is the idea that I have to understand how this fits into the sentence into the paragraph the words around it why do they they matter what is seeking to be communicated that way the, the other thing I'll add is you have to understand it it fits into historical and Jeremy mentioned it a little bit but you have to understand like what's going on at that time so what, what covenant are they under what is it old? Is it new? What's going on? How? So you have to understand all those things. Otherwise what happens is is that we can misinterpret it because we'll, we read it through our eyes and we don't understand it through the eyes of what the author was intending, which is another conversation we've had on other episodes, but the author's intent is what matters, not the reader's intent. So our responsibility then is as we interpret is to determine what is it that the author is seeking to say. So when Paul writes to the Ephesians, Paul has a purpose he's trying to communicate, and that purpose is what is what the letter says, not what I think Paul means. Right. And
0: remember, too, that there's two authors. Right. There's the human author and God as well. Exactly. Um, A lot of people, (laughs) when they start talking about authorial intent, um, miss the most important author, and that is God. Uh, But that's probably another topic for another day. So... Those are some, I think, some overall suggestions for understanding. But I'd like to give a few more practical things. This actually comes from Kay Arthur and her How to Study the Bible, which is very good. If if you want more detail on this, Kay Arthur's uh, got a very good book. An older book, but a really good one, is Howard Hendricks. Uh, I think it's Living by the Word. Or, Living by the Book. Living by the Book,
1: yeah. yeah. And then if you want That's, another... Right, right. So those are two good. If you want a more, it's more a textbook, but it's called Grasping God's Word by um, Scott Duvall and Adam Hayes. It's up to its fourth edition. It goes into more detail of all of this. That's more academic. That's definitely more academic. But Right, that is more academic. But if you want an academic treatment of it, there's another. So so we'll give you an academic treatment, we'll give you a popular treatment in K. Arthur, and we'll give you more of a Sunday school treatment in Howard Hendricks living by the book. So you can pick which (laughs) level you want. Yeah, and
0: we're not going to we're not going to post all these on our no. Facebook because we're mentioning too many. and uh, Exactly. So just rewind it and listen again if you didn't write it down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here's a few hints that K. Arthur gives that are help- helpful. Uh, the first one is to use the five W's and an H. The who, what, where, when, why, and how. One of the most important things in reading, whether it's reading the Bible or anything else, is asking questions of the text. Uh, that's going to draw draw out. You've got to be asking these questions when you're walking through the text. Maybe you don't get the answers right away. Um, they're good maybe to write down and look at later uh, or to dig deeper, But but you need to be asking questions of the text, and using the five W's and an H is a good way. Um, you can mark key words. This is one of the things that Kay Arthur really does. If you follow her method, your Bible's going to look like a rainbow when you're done, <laughs> because she's got you marking things and writing on things, and it is helpful. It draws your attention to you, to it. You have to write something about it, so it helps you to Understand, she says to look for lists. Uh, so if if there's a list of things, you she has you number them as as many as there are in the list. She says to look for comparisons and contrast. This this is really important. The example that I have is from Romans five fifteen through seventeen. It says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And here Paul's comparing and contrasting Adam to Jesus. And the whole point of this text is that compare and contrast. So you have to watch for those kind of things. That's helpful in understanding the meaning. She also says, look for expressions of time. This isn't just, you know, when Peter, when the cock crows three times, It's or it was the third hour, but words like when, until, after, next, those kind of things are indicators of an order that you need to pay attention to. And then finally, she says to look for words of conclusions. You've all heard the cliche. If you see a therefore, you need to ask what it's there for. That's the point. So if it says therefore, thus, for this reason, you need to go you need to look back and say, okay, this is a conclusion to an argument. What's the argument being made? And what is the conclusion? These are pretty basic things, but they are extraordinarily helpful in helping somebody to come to understand what the Bible is saying, to interpret
1: it. Right? Right.
0: Any, any other suggestions on interpretation, Matthew?
1: Um, no, just to reiterate, I think, like you said, asking questions. The, my one caveat I mentioned before is that when we, we have to determine what it means when it was written, what they were trying to communicate, not the other way. And the reason why I say that is everything around us now argues the exact opposite yeah that the reader is what matters and how I understand how I interpret it is how is what is being communicated and that goes against how we shouldn't read and interpret the Bible
0: so my kids and I are using K Arthur's method to do a Bible study on Sunday evenings and you know we'll talk about the things that they've discovered, or or the answers to certain things that are being asked, I keep saying, that's true, but where is that in this text? And the reason I'm doing that is because I want them to understand what the text says. And so you have to keep pushing yourself back to the text. You may be saying something that's true and something that's good, but where does it come from the text? That is the source of our information. You have to understand the text. Right. And so you got to keep going back to that. This is not the time to be asking what does this mean for me? Right. That's the next step. Exactly. And that's an important step, but if we skip this step and don't don't ask what the text means, then you're not understanding the Bible. You're just using it as an inspirational text that gives you good a certain feeling, and then you say, okay, this is what I need to do now. That's not how God intended for us to read the Bible. That's not why he gave us the Bible. In fact, if that's why he gave us the Bible, then it's pretty meaningless because we don't really need it. Right. It's just us you're just
1: using it as a springboard for, for, you to, for, for you direction to, or guidance. Yeah, for you to use it as a, justification for you to be able to do whatever it is she want to do.
0: And it may be good thing. Exactly. But it's not Where's that in the text? Exactly. <laughs> again and again, where Wait, so is that I... in the text? One other thing, I always like to use and I when I was in Bible college, the professors recommended that you don't look at the commentaries until the end of right. this. So that you're doing your work doing the work yourself. And you'll be surprised at how many times, as you've studied and you come to try to wrestle with what it means, that you'll say the same thing as these well trained scholars. That's kind of exciting. It is. So, um, and one of the reasons you want to wait till la- last, you definitely want to consult commentaries. But one of the reasons you want to do that is because if you come up with an interpretation, that no one else in the history of the church has ever come up with, you are more li- than likely wrong. Right. <laughs> uh, the Bible's been studied for 2,000 years. I seriously doubt that you or I are the ones who are going to find this new thing never before understood in Scripture. So it it's a way of, it's a guardrail to keep right. you from error. So You could be right,
1: but you Let's could be, be you could be really wrong too. Let's be humble, okay? Right.
0: Yeah. All right, so we we're about out of time. We need to talk about application. This is the step where you say, "Okay, I understand what the text says. With God's help, I understand what the text means. What am I going to do about it? What does this text say to me then?" This is where I'm not really good. <laughs> so so that application, I actually use cheat sheets all the time uh, to help me in my sermon preparation when I get to this. But here's a, a tool that I can use, and then I'll let you talk. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. The initials spell SPECT. So you ask yourself, sin, is there any sin to confess? Is there, are there any promises to believe? Are there any examples to follow? Is there any commands to obey? And is there anything to give thanksgiving for? So S P E C T uh, will help you apply this. It's a it's a quick, easy way to remind uh, to apply a text of scripture in that way because we don't have a great deal
1: of time right. to dig too in depth. So right. So I will, I'll use one quote from Howard Hendricks' book, living by the book, he makes the comment in there, he says that if we do that observation and interpretation without application is committing spiritual abortion. So that you have, we have to be, we have to be willing to finish the process. Because if I just have an academic understanding about what the text means, but I never put it into practice, I never say, okay, how do, How is this text calling me to live my life out in such a way that I'm conformed to the image of Jesus a little bit more? Back through that list that Jeremy talked about, which is a good way to think think it through. Then, honestly, I failed at I failed at the purpose of understanding the scripture because I don't actually understand it. So I need to put into practice what it is the text is calling me to do. And so that's why it's so important to determine in the text what the text says because what I'm seeking to do then is take that principle and apply it and this is where people get themselves in trouble the principles that I come that come out of scripture last forever the principles are always there the applications change and so what and so that means I have to determine what the if I never determine the principle then I'm and I just apply stuff I'm going to be wrong but I, but once I figure out what the principle is, what is that that everlasting command, promise that God has given, then I can then I ask, okay, so what does that look like? In my context, where I live, where I reside right now, how does that affect and apply to my life? And that's on a short way. That's what application is seeking to try to do. I know you un-
0: you understand this, but it's not, al- it's not always going to be a principle, right? So right. sometimes it'll be a promise, right. and y- it would be good to ask yourself, do-, do I believe this promise? exactly? And if you haven't, then there's a sin to confess, mm-hmm. that you haven't believed in that promise. I'm not
1: correcting Matthew, I'm right. just clarifying. <laughs> right, so it's like it could be a principle, it could be a promise, but the idea is that there are things in Scripture— that are eternal. And I have to find those things, what the text actually says. Right. And if you don't, if
0: you skip that step, you may still actually be doing right things, but accidentally. Exactly. But you need to understand what the scripture says, because good works are the works God commands. If you're doing a work that isn't commanded by God, it doesn't mean it's sinful, but is it really going to help your christian piety and if you're trusting in something that god never really promised because you skipped the step and didn't understand what the promise really was are you really trust that's not really faith and trusting in god exactly if you've misunderstood the promise so do not skip the step of what the text what does the text mean otherwise the application is going to be messed up right
1: So my my one last caveat... you
0: won't be growing in Christian piety.
1: My one last caveat is, is seek to be fully using that which God has given you the ability to know and not just seeking to know more stuff. I think one of the things that... We don't have time to we don't have a long time to go into this, but just to say it quickly, one of the things that especially those of us who are reformed get are get in trouble with is we all we want to learn new stuff. We always want to gain knowledge, but sometimes we don't complete the process of applying that knowledge. And so that is a something we need to be aware of. So that our heart's desire, what we're striving to do, is to understand the text because we want because it's God's word and we want to hear what God says because ultimately what God says matters more than anything else and so that is where our heart is so that we seek to observe the text understand the text and then apply the text and that, that that's this simple process by which God has, can provide insight into how to live the life that he's called us to in the way that he's called us to live it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to questions, comments, and even dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But we want to thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship. We are striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.